Welcome to episode 341 of the Microsoft Cloud IT Pro Podcast, recorded live on June 30th, 2023. This is a show about Microsoft 365 and Azure from the perspective of IT pros and end users, where we discuss the topic or recent news and how it relates to you. The word of the day today is notes as we kick off the show talking about the new notes tab in Teams, as well as the new collaborative notes in Teams meetings. We also provide our thoughts on the rebrand of Yammer to Viva Engage, and then pour one out for the inevitable end of InfoPath. We wrap up the show talking about the hot topic of AI, ML, and Microsoft Copilot, as Windows recently released Copilot into the dev build of Windows 11. There's an article out on Tech Community that talks about the default notes tab in Microsoft Teams for enterprise customers. And in the yeah. second paragraph <laughs> of that article, I just want to read this for you. Okay. And you tell me how you feel about this one. And you're quoting this article, right? I am quoting, yes. Quote, OneNote is the sole note-taking app across Microsoft 365 ecosystem and already powers note-taking in Teams channels for EDU customers. I don't know why that matters at all for this enterprise customer post, but whatever. With this update, it would allow enterprise non-EDU customers to leverage this capability as well. Please note this feature is only available on standard channels and not on private or shared channels. But I like almost did a double Why? take when I read that. OneNote is the sole note-taking app across the Microsoft 365 ecosystem. I wonder if anybody told the Loop team <laughs> as they reinvent Notion. I'm going to disagree there. I don't feel like they're reinventing Notion. I feel like they're reinventing Confluence. But that might be a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Six one, half dozen the other. Well, yeah, we could get into this. I could do like a whole podcast just on that. Okay, so the sole note-taking app. Hey, Scott, guess where meeting notes are now in Microsoft Teams? Oh, you mean not the notes that are in channels? No. Uh, no. Oh, oh, okay. No. Uh, well, there's an article uh, back about to, this Back too. to my shots fired against the loop team. I have where, a strong inkling of where they are. <laughs> I should have pulled this article, because isn't there an article about this as well? I'm looking through all my articles, or was it in that same one? I don't think it was in that same one, was it? There's a different one that yeah, dives a this little further into... Uh, meeting notes uh, in Teams. Uh, there's a couple that I can think of that are out there. One is about meeting details in OneNote and how to capture those. And then I'll have to dig up the loop one as well, because there's also the... So that's the one I'm looking for right now. And I don't know, I should have had this pulled up ahead of time, Scott. You should have, you had one job. I know, (laughs) I had one job to have this done. And I know I saw this article, and now my searching loop... Teams, notes. I think the best one that's out there here. I'll give you one. As I'm pulling in just and, and acting as your random bookmarking service. Yeah, just start throwing stuff out here and I'll tell you if it's the right one. I'll give you an article from Tony Redmond as well, which talks about collaborative team notes in team meetings, which are based on loop components. That's the one I yeah, was I know, looking here for. for you, bud. I got you. There's a tech community one on that too. He may reference it in his. Well, that's not how I found it because... Tony Redmond's SEO is better. Probably. (laughs) That would not surprise me either. Feedly's SEO is probably, is apparently not good either. So this one from Tony Redmond, the collaborative notes. Yes, collaborative notes. Let me see if I can look through. Nope, see, that wasn't it either. 
Oh, Scott, this is going to kill me. Okay, so meeting notes. Tell you what, don't find the article. You're a consultant. Just speak authoritatively, even if you're speak wrong. Speak authoritative. well. And then it'll be right. <laughs> so I want to make sure, okay, this was it. Here's the article. I am going to post this in the Discord chat now. There it is. So now in public preview, collaborative notes in Microsoft Teams meetings. That's one in tech community I was looking for because I don't think Tony has this screenshot in his. If you scroll down to the very bottom of that, going back to OneNote being the sole note-taking thing that you read, that last article now shows how you can take your meeting notes and place them in your OneNote. Which is a capability that's not available yet. It is not. So they're also giving us a hint here of loop components. And this was kind of why this one intrigued me too, as it talks about at the very end, is you can easily take your collaborative notes. So FYI, if you haven't caught on yet, there's two note-taking apps. And that's assuming you don't count. There's not one definitive note-taking app? There's not one definitive note-taking app. And technically, you can maybe even count Word as a note-taking app, right? I mean, PowerPoint, you have your slide notes. Does that count as notes too? I'm going mm, stickies. Yeah. It's a Friday. Anyways, you can now take your collaborative notes from your meeting in the loop app and continue to drive your work forward. Add your loop component to a loop workspace where you can gather everything you need. This fall, the integration. So it's coming this fall. The integration of components with OneNote will allow you to seamlessly incorporate your meeting notes into your OneNote notebooks. Now, aside from the fact that OneNote thinks it's the sole note taking app and you have a loop. To me, this just adds confusion. So now my notes tab in Teams is OneNote. My notes tab in Meetings is Loop. But now I can take Loop Notes and embed Loop Notes in OneNote Notes. But now my OneNote notebook is stored in OneDrive, but my Loop Notes are still stored, or not in OneDrive, it's stored in SharePoint or OneDrive, depending on where that notebook is. But now Loop Notes are stored in OneDrive or in the other place that loop notes go to because those don't actually get stored in my SharePoint team site. Like this whole new note story for me is getting messy quickly. And you and I have even played with permissions because now you start running into as well because notes and loop components aren't stored in the same spot. If you start emitting loop components in a OneNote notebook and people have permission to one but not the other, it's, I don't like this. How's that? There's a summary. I don't like this. I want one. I either want, I'm okay with loop components. I don't know that I'm necessarily sold on the loop app as I've been playing with it. I think I would prefer for loop components to stay loop components and not have a loop app. And if you really want some of this functionality in OneNote, you either make OneNote become loop or you just leave loop components and loop components and they should have been allowed to be put in OneNote right off the bat. I think. I tried to explain this to somebody the other day. <laughs> they went down the path of starting to create a loop component notes thingamajigger uh-huh. in a meeting. And I was trying to explain to them what a bad idea that was and how they weren't ever going to be able to share it out. And it's this like shared meeting forum where people come in and out of the forum regularly. So I'm like, that's just a nightmare of an idea. And trying to walk somebody through the new OneDrive interface. I don't know if you've seen the new web interface for OneDrive. Who boy, threw me for a loop. <laughs> it took me a little bit to figure out what was going on there and even how to find my files. But to walk somebody through that interface, find them and get them down to like the fluid component in their OneDrive, it's just like <laughs> that stuff is it's a nightmare. Like talk about friction and overhead. I don't 
know that I have. I, I've struggled lately, Scott, keeping my interface straight and what's here and what's not and what's where and what's everywhere. Yeah. And the people in the Discord, just FYI, Scott, we have to make sure we say note like every five seconds now because <laughs> everybody listening to us in Discord today has decided that it's five o'clock somewhere on this Friday afternoon and they're going to play a drinking game and take a shot every time we say the word note. Or I swear, this is iced tea. That, that's it. It's just iced tea. <laughs> sure it is. And this is just coffee. <laughs> Whatever time it is on a Friday. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, notes are a thing. You got to consider it. I hope they can figure out this confusion soon. I'm really not enjoying the bifurcated world. I agree. I absolutely want them to figure this out soon. Do you think they will? Like, I, no. <laughs> I'm very pessimistic about this based on what we've seen so far in terms of, like, even the fact that how long have loop components been a thing now? And we have them in Outlook, we have them in Teams, we have them in Word, and we have to wait like another three months to get them in OneNote. This seems like something if they were going to figure it out, like, loop components should have been in OneNote as one of the first places, not like a year after loop components came out. And to be fair, the whole Fluid interface, I mean, we talk about this as loop. How long has Fluid been out? Like this has been a technology looking for a solution for I feel like three years. I remember... It's been a while, yeah. Like the original Fluid components and it seems like loop has finally been where they've landed as the solution for the technology. This was not a solution that went out and was looking for a technology. This was absolutely a technology that existed, and they were struggling to find a solution for it. <laughs> I, I like the analogy, right? It, like it is a nail in search of a hammer, and yeah, I, th I think you're you're dead on with that one. So, I'm just looking forward to all the even more confusing blog posts that will come out probably as we get closer to what's next event ignite ignite what no inspire as, as we lead up to ignite inspire 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 is to inspire partners not to inspire technology but technically so. it's the next event mm -hmm. yes ignite i am sh i yeah which i we have the dates for ignite it's still hybrid it is coming i don't know that i'm going to try to go in person i think i'm going to still do another hybrid ignite We'll see as it gets closer, but indeed, I'm going to assume that's maybe where we'll start seeing loop components in OneNote because that would align with this fall. But I saw <laughs> all, all right. these and yeah, that whole soul note taking thing. We can move on. We do not need to keep beating this topic. Because I right. would absolutely do that. What else do we have today, Scott? Since folks in the chat are talking about the joys of product naming and confusion among products, did you see that the Viva Engage rebrand is basically done? Like now you've got the Viva Engage app, like mobile apps and stuff rebranded previously, but now Yammer.com is fully rebranded as well and should be rolled out, I believe, to all Yammer tenants, or I guess what are now Viva Engage tenants, that you still access via Yammer.com. <laughs> yeah, I would assume that would become engage.microsoft.cloud, right? 
that's where we're going eventually with all this is dot Microsoft dot cloud. They are all supposed to be or dot cloud yes, dot Microsoft. The, is, they're remember. all supposed to be in that that dot cloud zone. So we'll see where that all ends up. I I, I don't know because you know, like I said today, while the branding might be different, the URIs that you use to access things they still remain the same. Yeah. And if you're running PWAs, you get to recreate your PWA. <laughs> So the titles don't keep and up. We make fun of Microsoft and branding, and I can pretty much 100% guarantee that we will continue to make fun of marketing and branding in the future. I'm okay with this one, I think. Primarily from the standpoint of Yammer was an acquisition. It was an it's been around forever. It's been a product. I think Yammer had all its old connotations. There were still people that there may still be people, I don't know, that have standalone Yammer tenants. Vivian Cage, I think I'm actually okay with. This one doesn't feel like it was necessarily a rename just to rename. They wanted to kind of align Yammer with where it fits in the ecosystem more. So it is complete. Yammer has been completely rebranded to Vivian Cage. I have my own feelings about all of the products in Viva. But this one I'm okay with more than some of the other ones. I also like that it's not like naming teams teams and groups groups and all of that. It feels a little bit more original in terms of a product name and won't cause some crazy confusion. It aligns with the app now in Teams with the web part in Sham. The web part in SharePoint is now Vive Engage. So I'm okay with this one. I won't give him too much of a hard time about this rebrand, I don't think. All right. Well, it's good to know. I'll be nice. You know what I can probably make you happy about? I've I've got one more for you. And this one is near and dear to my heart. Because I used to do a lot, like a lot, like used to pay my entire paycheck kind of a lot of development on this. Did you see the article on the support update for InfoPath Forms services. Yes. In Microsoft 365. This one, talk about a long time in coming. <laughs> I'm surprised this didn't happen sooner. I'm surprised we have as much of a roadmap as we do, although I think technically with all Microsoft's agreements and stuff, this one they had to make as long as it is. But InfoPath is finally actually. Dying is the plan in 2026. Finally has an end date, so standard retirement. Actually, a little bit more than a standard retirement. Like normally, these notices would come out with exactly like three years' notice, but you're getting this one a little bit ahead of time. I don't know. Maybe somebody was going to be out on vacation on July 14th and they didn't want to post it then. Yeah, but here you go. InfoPath is going away. Yeah. So this is not just InfoPath for M365. The extended support dates for InfoPath form services for existing SharePoint on-premises customers. So if you're running SharePoint Server 2016, 2019, or you're running SE, the subscription edition, then you are aligning to exactly the same date. And it's time to start transitioning to Power Apps, Power Automate, and 
just forms in general. So, and this one is interesting too, given that it's all of those, I'm trying to find another article. This was with Power Apps. Creative form, because they also had an announcement, I believe, was it at Build when they talked about the new SharePoint forms online? Might have been. I can't remember the exact date was. But the fact that they're retiring this in all of the products, that this is not just a SharePoint online, because sometimes, especially given that in this particular article, they reference Power Apps and Power Automate a lot. SharePoint 2013, 16, 19 subscription edition, which subscription edition has no end of life. You really can't use Power Apps and Power Automate with those unless you're doing some type of hybrid. So it must imply, I guess, that maybe some of these forms announcements are going to also come to on-prem as opposed to just being an online thing. Granted, we have a long runway to do it. I mean, three years? Uh, like, well, yeah, what does this I, I, mean I don't know. for some of those on-prem environments? I don't know. When is, like, when is 2019's end of life? All up, I'd have to go look at the support lifecycle. So I'm not sure about that one, but like, there's just weirdness in the air right now. I, I, I don't know if you follow uh, <laughs> like Windows development and, and Windows Server, yep. things like that. Like There were some articles that came out this week on some of the major tech publications about how Microsoft had been thinking about plans for like streaming Windows and going back to kind of like the thin client world where why not just stream your OS down to you and have it come through that way. And I think that's like a big drastic thing to even kind of sort of slightly think about. So I, I wonder if over time, like, you know, you think about three years from now, how much do you want those on-prem customers? Like, what's the ROI to having the customers there versus forcing them over to the cloud? And and do you actually lose them? Like, is is the vocalization about like we can't do this, like true we can't do this? Or is it more like, no, we don't want to do this and we don't want to have to think about adaptations to policy that would enable such a move for many organizations? Right. Do you feel overwhelmed by trying to manage your Office 365 environment? Are you facing unexpected issues that disrupt your company's productivity? Intelligent is here to help. Much like you take your car to the mechanic that has specialized knowledge on how to best keep your car running, Intelligent helps you with your Microsoft Cloud environment because that's their expertise. Intelligent keeps up with the latest updates in the Microsoft Cloud to help keep your business running smoothly and ahead of the curve. Whether you are a small organization with just a few users up to an organization of several thousand employees, they want to partner with you to implement and administer your Microsoft Cloud technology. Visit them at intelligent.com slash podcast. That's I-N-T-E-L-L-I-G-I-N-K dot com slash podcast for more information or to schedule a 30-minute call to get started with them today. Remember, Intelligent focuses on the Microsoft Cloud so you can focus on your business. Here's an interesting thing, Scott. Guess when the end of life for SharePoint 2019 is. So, like, if you see, want to guess... Popped oh, no, you're not supposed to yep. look. Uh, extended date is July 14, 2026, the which also aligns to... The same Yep, so just the same exact date. I'm guessing that's where they got that date from. And again, reading 
between the lines with all of these is I would say they weren't ever going to bring any new solutions to SharePoint 2019 for creating list forms. And here's the article that I was looking for. They're not ever going to bring any of these updates to SharePoint 2019 for list forms, so they had to keep InfoPath around until 2019 expired. Now they can retire InfoPath, they can retire the SharePoint 2019 list forms, like all of that ends at the same time. And again, just speculation, given the three years, I would assume that, or hope, that maybe they're just going to bring the new fantastic forms, Microsoft List, a new form experience, that they're going to bring this to the SharePoint on-prem subscription edition. That would be me reading between a bunch of lines with these dates. And the fact that I feel like they have to bring, I mean, they can't just kill forms on-prem, I don't think, unless they're just trying to kill on-prem completely. There's always that possibility. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you get the sense over time that on-prem customers have. I don't think. I don't, I don't even think it's fair to say you get the sense. Like on-premises has been deprioritized to a certain degree. Like no, no matter how you spin it, I think like like that's a kind of a, a truism at this point, right? Like you look at like net new investments and where they land first and everything else. Subscription edition is a weird one. I don't know where that falls out. Like they've been doing some interesting things there. Like they recently ripped and revamped the workflow engine. So maybe like there's plans to do something there, but like you said, you probably won't see them for a little bit, at least while these other products have runway. But kind of like regardless of what happens there, you probably as a customer need to start doing the like prepare yourself for the next step kind of thing. Thankfully, there is a, an engine that you can go run. Like the PMP project maintains an assessment tool for M365 environments. So you can start like running this against your environment today and at least start to get a handle on like what's out there, what do you need to start thinking about. And yeah, you, you might not need to think deeply about it today or in the next six months, but you know, sometime within the next year or two, no matter what, you're going to have to think about it. Because even yep. if there's a new form solution, uh, my bet would be, like, if I had to bet some money on it, I would bet that there's not a migration engine to get you from the legacy InfoPath forms over to any net new form solution that was released. So no matter what, you've got to rationalize that. Kind of like you do today, right? With lifting and going from, you know, workflow to power automate and things like that. Yeah, and this is one... I found the video. Do you remember, were you at the SharePoint conference in 2015 when they actually had a funeral for InfoPath because it was going to die in 2015 or 2016? No, I'm not, I'm, I'm not fancy <laughs> like that. I threw a link to it in the Discord. I remember that. Joey, who listens to the podcast, he was like part of this funeral procession and Joel Olson actually did the funeral procession back then and it was this bigger deal. And then at like, what, here we are, 2015, eight years later, and it's finally dying 11 years after it had its funeral. <laughs> but to that point, like I've been telling clients for a long time as they've migrated from on-premises to SharePoint Online, I'm like, if you're going to go get budget and do this migration and go through the whole process, don't migrate your info, info path forms because the writing has been on the wall since 2015 that Microsoft does not want InfoPath around anymore. It's just taken them this long to do it. And I never had a drop dead date before. Now we actually do. But yeah, to that point, I've been telling clients for a long time don't mess with InfoPath anymore. 
It's on life support. Yeah, ROI is not there. But maybe now you got some motivation to go run some of the assessments and do some of the associated work that comes with that. Like prioritize accordingly. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You said like a, three years is a long runway. It's, it consistently amazes me, <laughs> like being on the other side of the fence, how three years, like for whatever reason, like while it feels like an eternity from the outside, you know, sometimes you can watch these retirements and you can watch like the feature usage, like actually creep up after you've announced it's going away. And you're like, and sometimes it's not even a creep, it's like jumps. And you go, like, what are people <laughs> doing? <laughs> like, what's going on? You know, this is going away, right? And then inevitably, you know, three months before it goes, you get just this deluge of folks that come in and say, like, oh, I can't move. I didn't know this was coming. Nobody ever told me. I think we did. I think we tried to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Like, we... we have a terms of service and we followed all the things we said we would do. But yeah, I'm sure everybody who listens to this podcast is on top of their game, but uh, not everybody out there is. Yes. Well, we can talk about it for the next three years, Scott. Don't forget, InfoPass going away July 14th of 2026. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just watching all the uh, (laughs) animated GIFs come into the chat. Like, yeah, side eyes, uh, you know, that canonical Homer Simpson backing up into... (laughs) <laughs> in, right into the head. I'm sure to, we could hide. Yep. We should, we need to come up with one of the Simpsons chalkboard ones for this too. I'm sure we could do that. Uh, well, I mean, well, we'll, oh, we'll see. Yeah. The only thing that's constant is that things change and things are going away. I think when this one goes away, I'm actually going to have to pour one out. Like, like I said, I did a ton with InfoPath, like in the way back when, and I I still have nightmares around opening Visual Studio and creating custom InfoPath forms and then having to deploy them and, uh, God, no. Deploy? Yeah, because you used to have to deploy InfoPath forms, some of them, depending on what type of access they needed, deploy them as WSP solutions. Yeah, that was my world for a long time. I remember writing those. When did it first come out? I remember writing them in SharePoint 2000. Did I do them for 2003 or were my first InfoPath forms in SharePoint 2007? I remember doing them for sure in 2007. Mm, I don't know if they were there in 2003. They were there in 2007. I was writing them heavily in 2013, kind of when they had that one engine revamp and they got a little more powerful and... You started to get like that, like tenant-wide deployment model with you know Wisps and and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, ooh, and like the shakes, just thinking about <sighs> all right, lots Scott, of nightmares there. Put something on the calendar for July 14, twenty twenty six. We'll go pour one out for InfoPath when it retires. All right, you got any more on your list? Probably got time for one more. One more. Okay, now you're gonna ba 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 InfoPath. Oh, we can talk about this one. Copilot. Do you want to talk about Copilot? I was sure. Looking what do you through. got for Copilot? Copilot, your AI-powered assistant for Windows 11. Microsoft has unveiled Windows Copilot for Windows 11. So this is now out there, currently being rolled out to Windows insiders in the dev channel as Windows 11 build 23493. So if you have been waiting to get your hands on Copilot and haven't done any of the... Trying to find a good article for this. The one I came just came in via my blog reader, but I know there's or my RSS feeds. I know there's a bunch out there. But if you've been looking to get your hands on some of the copilot stuff, it's starting to float around here and there. I think everybody really wants the Microsoft 365 copilot, or that's the one that I am anxiously waiting for. But you can go in now and start 
if you are brave enough to deploy early dev builds of Windows 11, you can go in and grab this or a later version from the dev channel. It looks like you also need Microsoft Edge version 115.0.1901.50 or later. You can go in and start playing with Copilot. It does want you to utilize a Microsoft account or Azure Active Directory account that you use to sign into Windows, but we're starting to see these trickle out, Scott. I don't know. Do you not use Copilot like daily? Like, or some type of AI. Uh, so I guess ML engine. You know, I hate the AI thing. Like, they're not AIs. It's all machine learning models that are just responding to you. So there's no intelligence in the artificial intelligence here. But uh, Microsoft's going to brand like Microsoft's going to brand. Yeah, but I, guess, I use these things on the daily. So I use it daily. I use the Bing cert, the Bing one, relatively daily. I'm trying to think where else. GitHub. I've used GitHub Copilot. I use Bing. So the those ML ones, I am assuming as a Microsoft employee, you probably have access to a little bit more of some of the ML stuff that's coming than maybe the rest of us do right now. I don't know which ones you use daily. I don't know that I have extra access. Like like we're you know, I would say like when I see public experiences for some of the co-pilots, I do think uh-huh. like, ooh, how could I use those like in product to make customers' lives easier? Like, let's take AZ Copy as an example, right. right? Like, could there actually be an engine where you would go to AZ Copy and like you type in like a natural language interface, like I want to copy X to Y at this time, kind of thing, and it can schedule it in the background for you and just do it. Like, like would that be nifty or cool? But yeah, I'm mostly using the Bing one. I do use uh, some of the older Open AI, like the Chat GPT three five and stuff. Okay. Uh, just like over on my Mac, like there, there's a little menu bar app for the Mac, which is pretty good. And GitHub Copilot. So I don't do a lot of coding day to day. I do like active, you know, like .NET, Go, Python, anything like that. Right. I still do write PowerShell scripts and Bash scripts. And surprisingly, where GitHub Copilot is really helpful to me is in documentation. So when you're working in Markdown, GitHub Copilot recognizes Markdown as well. So it can do things like I was doing, I was putting together some documentation on a feature area earlier just today, and I was building out a table. So I've got like paragraphs of text below and then kind of like a summary table at the top. Yep. And if you've ever built a table in Markdown, tables in Markdown are horrible in general, like trying to remember oh, where the pipes go and how you pain. close things. Yeah. So what it was doing is it was inferring from the paragraphs below like it was basically doing like mini summarizations so i would like type the pipe to open a new row and it was just filling in the entire row with all the columns for me like pre-broken out and filled out and once you did like the first two rows like say i had five paragraphs which equates to i'm going to have five rows in this table up here right. once i did like the first two rows it just figured out the rest of them and i just tabbed one shot through it and like boom i've got a nicely formatted Markdown table with all the summaries and things in there, and it removed one of my largest frustrations in that it got the pipes in the right place, <laughs> which was actually nice. like really cool and, and really nifty. So you know maybe that's something for folks to consider is some of the copilots and generative AIs, particularly around like 
text and things like that. Like they're not just for developers. You can use them as mere mortals as well. Yeah, I would agree. And I think more from the co-pilot perspective, I w- I'm looking for more of the direct Microsoft 365 stuff. Like I've been living in document land recently and having like co-pilot in Word, where it can help me out a little bit more with some of my documentation. What I've started to play with and I've looked at a little bit is the intelligent meeting recap in Teams. That's another one where if you're looking to play with some of the AI ML type stuff, if you have, I believe this one is Teams Premium. Um, Intelligent Recap is available as part of the Teams Premium add-on license. This one's kind of a cool one, too, from that AIML perspective in terms of... And I was going to go through the link. Too many icons out there for this one. If you record a meeting, being able to go back to it later and get the summarization. I've looked at a few of them, and it's it's nifty being able to... Go back, particularly if you miss a meeting, if someone's able to record it and you can get this intelligent meeting recap and get like five or six paragraphs of the highlights of this hour-long meeting. Again, for me, there's not a ton of meetings that I'm not in, but if I wanted to summarize this or send it off to somebody or even send a summarization of the meeting I had with a client, being able to have this automatically generated kind of after the fact and send a follow-up email of, hey, here's the highlights, here's what we talked about. Use that as that starting point for a meeting recap to email or to capture notes from, especially because I don't also always have somebody on the call to capture notes is I'm starting to think more and more like I really need to make sure every meeting I jump in with a client, I first check with them if I'm allowed to record it, but then start recording it to be able to capture these and maybe not worry so much about typing notes while I'm trying to have discussions with them. Yeah, it's a good one to have. I mean, I've been using the transcripts just like even over in stream without the meeting recap. Without, like, okay. Uh, j- yep, just go into the HTML, grab the meeting transcript because, uh, I don't know, stream's not the greatest website to be able to like copy pasta that out of. But you can totally dump it into a GPT conversation and say, summarize this thing for me. Summarize all of that. So... It is. There's a couple of those. Again, I'm really looking forward to... There's a couple. I'm really curious to see how the security co-pilot works. And it'll be interesting to get like the all-up Microsoft 365 co-pilot that we talked about last week. Yes, with your E9 license. With my Got E9 it. license. I remember that one. Exactly. But it is fun to see some of these start trickling out into different places. The Windows 11 one, I'm rarely in Windows, so I won't use that one. But anywho... That's all I got for this week. Eh, you know, for now, that's enough. We have uh, other topics we'll, we talked about. We should go back and sort through some of the questions too. I think we also have a few questions lingering out there. Yeah, we've got some stuff. We'll, we'll come back and do that in some upcoming ones here. I really had fun with people participating in the chat. Pirate Tomansky wins our Tomsky wins our episode title and helpfully provided your 
picture of Bart Simpson with his chalk as well, which I don't know how it's licensed, but I'm going to put it in the show notes anyway, and we'll see what happens. (laughs) But winning all around there on that one. Absolutely. Uh, Always good. Anybody wants to join us in Discord, come on over. I'm curious to know who won the drinking game in Discord. Who is able to still type (laughs) coherently after we said notes and notes and notes? It's a dangerous game. Somebody could have lost. All right. If you enjoyed the podcast, go leave us a five-star rating in iTunes. It helps to get the word out so more IT pros can learn about Office 365 and Azure. If you have any questions you want us to address on the show or feedback about the show, feel free to reach out via our website, Twitter, or Facebook. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.